0: privilege we have to be part of what God is doing among the nations right here in our own state of South Carolina. I hope you will be praying about what God would have you do to be a part of this through your faithful giving to the Janie Chapman uh, State Offering for Missions. Very excited about that and all the things that are taking place in the life of our own church that we've heard about today as well. Uh, I'm excited this morning to begin with you what I hope will be one of the most exciting and challenging studies that we have uh, spent together in our time here on Sunday mornings. Uh, The theme of this study is going to be obedience, obedience to God, obedience to Christ, and we're going to learn what obedience is and what obedience does by looking together at the life and the times of God's Old Testament prophet Elijah. And I've just got to tell you, hands down, Elijah is my favorite Old Testament character. What God did with this man and what God did through this man is nothing short of amazing. And yet, we can all relate to Elijah because he had his struggles too, and we'll see that. But through it all, the defining characteristic of Elijah's life was an unswerving, unyielding, unrelenting, unassailable, unimpeachable, unrivaled obedience to God. And if we want to see the kinds of things in our generation that Elijah saw in his, then we're going to have to begin doing the same things in our lives that Elijah did in his life. And that is to give total and complete obedience to God. Now we often say that christianity is a religion of faith and it certainly is that ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 reminds us it is by grace that we're saved through what faith and you come to uh, a verse like hebrews 11:6 it actually tells us that without faith it is impossible to please God. And all of that is true, but guess what? The flip side of the coin of faith is obedience. And you cannot have one without the other because if your faith does not motivate you to do something, it's worthless faith. The Apostle James tells us that in chapter 2, verse 5 of his New Testament letter, <laughs> where he says very clearly, faith if it is not accompanied by action, it's dead faith. And so, I don't believe we do injustice to Scripture if we say without obedience, it is impossible to please God. Faith is important, but it is absolutely linked to obedience or it has no value In the eyes of God. Now, what I want to do this morning before we start looking together at the life of Elijah is to walk through some verses in the Gospel of John. And I want to point out to you from the lips of our Lord Jesus some of the reasons why obedience is so critically important. In John chapters 14 and 15, listen now, Jesus says something six times. And if he says it six times in one little block of Scripture, I'm pretty sure he doesn't want us to miss it. So let's look together at what Jesus says here, because here's what he's saying, and you can fill in the blanks. Obedience is the real test of my love for and my loyalty to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to say that again, obedience is the real test of my love for and my loyalty to the Lord Jesus Christ. You say you love Jesus, okay, here is the test, my friend. You love Him to the same extent that you are obeying Him. Now let's look at these verses. John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, Jesus says, the proof of your love is that you will obey me. You will do the things that I command you to do. Is that pretty clear? John chapter 14, verse 21 Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Who loves him? The guy who comes strutting into church with his big Bible under his arm, who knows all the religious answers to all the religious questions? No way. No. Jesus says the person who loves me is the person who keeps my commandments, who does the things that I tell him to do. John chapter 14, verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will obey my word. Do you see that? The test is not what you say. The test is not what you think. The test is not what you believe. Jesus makes it very clear. The test is what you do. Do you obey Jesus' word? John chapter 14, verse 24, anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. Now here Jesus turns it around. Three times he said, if you love me, you'll obey me. But here he says, let me tell you who doesn't love me. The person who doesn't love me is the person who doesn't obey me. The person who doesn't love me is the person who hears what I say do, and then they do something else or they do nothing at all. John chapter 15, verse 10. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. How do you know if you're remaining in, if you're abiding in Christ? Well, you're abiding in Christ if you're obeying Him. Let me tell you, through a lot of years of ministry, many, many times, this is not always the case, but probably a majority of the time, whenever someone has come to me and and, and said, Pastor, I'm just struggling with the assurance of my salvation. I just don't know if I'm really saved. Many, many times that issue lies right here with obedience because if you are not doing what Christ tells you to do, you're going to have absolutely no assurance that you are abiding in Him, that you are remaining in Him. Jesus makes it very clear, if you keep my commands, you're remaining, you're abiding in me and in my love. And then finally, John chapter 15, verse 14, you are my friends if you do. (laughs) Not if you know. Can I let you in on a secret this morning? Today, right now, across the United States of America, Baptist churches are full of people who know. Would you circle the word do? You are my friends if you do what I command. By the way, the word command there is important. Not suggest. If you do what I command You to do. And Jesus says, I have a book full of commandments and I want you to obey them. Why? Because that is the test of your love for and your loyalty to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the measuring rod. Cut it any way you want to cut it, say it any way you want to say it. Obedience is the real test of your love for and your loyalty to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you need to be asking yourself today, right now, this morning, and throughout this series of messages, God, what is it that you are calling me to do? Not believe, but do. Because there is something God has for every single one of us to do, and we need to be doing it every day. And it may be different every day. Now, once we've got this sort of nailed down, we're ready to look at one of the great illustrations of obedience in all of Scripture, and that is the life of the prophet Elijah. Now, i got to tell you, I really do love this guy. He, uh, he's just amazing in his obedience to God. What a man of God he was, and what an example He is for you and for me today. And really, one of the lessons from Elijah's life, and I want to begin with this, as we look at this illustration of obedience in 1 Kings chapter 17. Let me share this with you, this truth. You can fill in the blanks. When God wants to do something in the world, he calls a person. (laughs) Did you know that? When God wants to do something in the world, he calls a person. When he has a message that he wants to get out, he calls a person. When he has something that needs to be done, he calls a man. He calls a woman to be his messenger. When God wants to penetrate society, he does not elect a committee. Can I say that in the Baptist church? When God wants to make a difference, when He wants to penetrate a culture, when He wants His message to get into the world, He calls a person. He gives a man or woman a burden, a vision. And then He gives that person the courage and the conviction to do that thing that God wants to get done. Now, that's Elijah. Let me give you some background. He was a prophet. In the northern kingdom of Israel, his name in Hebrew means Jehovah is my God. <laughs> so he got his priorities right, right out of the chute, didn't he? Again, in First Kings chapter 17, we're, we're going to see him burst onto the scene in a very powerful way. And let me say this, in the Old Testament, Whenever a prophet of God showed up, it was usually because something was wrong in the nation. And when Elijah showed up, let me tell you, there was something bad wrong in the nation of Israel. I want you to get a glimpse of what was going on in Israel in Elijah's day. And I've got some verses here for you. First Kings chapter 16, verses 29 through 33. Follow along there as I read. It says in the 38th year of King Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, son of Omri, became king of Israel and he reigned in Samaria over Israel 22 years. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. He not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, but he also married Jezebel daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and began to serve Baal and worship him. He set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal that he built in Samaria. And Ahab also made an Asherah pole and did more to provoke the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than did all the kings of Israel before him. Now, folks, we're talking about a bad king. An extremely wicked king who is ruling over God's people. But not only that, He married this pagan woman by the name of Jezebel, who was a worshiper of Baal. And Jezebel and Ahab took the nation of Israel, which should have been a center for the worship of Jehovah God, and they turned it into a center for the worship of Baal. And so Baal worship began to dominate the nation, and the people began to turn away from God. And that brings Elijah on the scene. The people needed to hear a word from God. The king needed to hear a word from God. And so in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1, look at this introduction to Elijah's life. Now, Elijah, (laughs) let me stop right there because I like that. In the middle of all this mess, comes this man, Elijah. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab. Now I want you to notice this as well. Uh, This is the first movement of Elijah's life. The first thing we see in his ministry, and we see him inside the king's palace. And he burst into the king's palace and he says to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Wow. <laughs> that's pretty bold, isn't it? That's pretty audacious, isn't it? That, that, that's, that's incredible. Elijah burst in, and he says, King, we're shutting down heaven. We're shutting down heaven, and it's not going to open up again until I say so. <laughs> now, church, you need to understand something this morning. You just can't do that. I mean, you just can't do that. You, you just can't burst into the king's palace, go in and, and, and do that. So, see, some of you might be thinking this morning, wow, I really like that. that. That's some power. That's some power. I'd like to be able to do that. I could get real excited about God using me like that. Well, let me share something with you this morning, and this is really the focus of everything that, that, I, that I really want us to see and understand this morning. If I'm going to be used by God in my generation, there must be something that reigns supreme in my life. And that something is absolute and unconditional obedience to God. And i got to tell you, if you're here this morning and you have any desire whatsoever to be used of God in this generation, then there is something that must reign supreme in your life, and that is absolute, unconditional obedience to God. Because if you're here this morning and want to be used of God, but you're not absolutely committed to obedience, you are wasting your time. Because obedience is the key to being greatly used by God. It is not church membership. It is not religiosity. By the way, Scripture says that makes God sick. Religious stuff. It's not going through all the motions and all the rituals of Christianity. It is absolute obedience to the will of God. And we're going to see some things about obedience in the life of Elijah that are absolutely going to blow you away. So I want to begin looking at that with you this morning, and I want to begin by looking at something that I'm calling the foundations for obedience. The foundations for obedience. You see, church, there are some of us, there are some of us, who are not as obedient to God as we ought to be, and it's not always because we don't want to be obedient. I believe a lot of Christians want to be obedient. I believe a lot of Christians want to do what God and the Lord Jesus Christ tell us to do, but we can't quite somehow get to that point of doing that thing that he's asking us to do. And there's some reasons for that. There's some reasons for that because you see... You've got to have a foundation for obedience that will enable you to live an obedient life. And some of us just don't have it. Some of us just don't have the foundation. You might want to be obedient. You may be sitting here this morning saying, preacher, I want to be used like that. I want to be obedient. I want to live that kind of life. Do you have these foundations? That's the question this morning. Let's look at them together. The first one is this, an obedient life is built upon the foundation, number one, of a dynamic and personal relationship with God. An obedient life is built upon the foundation of a dynamic and personal relationship with God, and the key words here are dynamic and personal. Look again at what Elijah said to Ahab in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. He said, King, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve. Now, let's break this down a little bit. As the Lord, the God of Israel lives. My friend, if you're going to live an obedient life, the first thing, The very first thing that you've got to know is that God is alive because if you burst into the king's palace and God's not alive, let me tell you something, you're in trouble. You need to know there is a living God backing up what you're talking about. You need to know that he's alive. You need to know that he's real. And I'm not talking about out there somewhere, yeah, there's a God in heaven. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about him being real in your life, alive in your daily experience of living. That's what Elijah said to Ahab. I'm coming to you in the name of my God, and I want you to know my God's real. My God's real in this world, and my God is real in my life. And I have to tell you this morning, unless you have been penetrated by the life of God... So that the reality of God in your life is not a question. So that his power and his presence in your life is not a question. Until that happens, you will never be able to do what God calls you to do. Because I tell, I'm going to tell you, you'll never have the guts to do it. Many of us are afraid to take a stand for God. Many of us are afraid to follow through with what we know he's calling us to do and the reason is we're just not real sure he's alive oh yeah maybe he's alive out there somewhere but in my experience in what i'm going through i'm not so sure elijah said i can come into this pagan court i can stand before this pagan king and i can proclaim the word of god because my god lives you see ahab had the power to silence elijah if he wanted to had the power to hurt him, had the power to kill him. But Elijah had been penetrated by the reality of the life of God in his own life and in his own experience, and it gave him the courage to go and stand before this king. But listen, not not only must you know that God is alive, you must also know where you stand spiritually with this God who is alive. Elijah said, look, as the Lord God of Israel lives, get this, whom I serve. That is a statement about the spiritual life of Elijah. Elijah said, not only do I know that my God is alive, that's not just an intellectual fact for me. I have a dynamic walk with him. I stand in his presence. I serve him. You see, before Elijah ever burst into the king's palace, he was spiritually strong. He didn't just burst in with a spiritual move for the day. Some of us get all excited because we had a great day with God. You know, we had a great worship service. And all those things are good. But Elijah had a foundation. He had a backdrop. This was his everyday life. He was able to say, This is the God whom I serve. This is the God before whom I stand. I've been in his presence. I know him. I talk with him. This is my life every day. Listen, you'll never be an obedient Christian until God becomes that real to you. Too many of us struggle with the reality of God in our own daily experience of life. We want to date God. (laughs) We don't want to marry him. You know the difference, right? We want the fun stuff. We want the good stuff. We don't want the commitment. We don't want the costly. But until you have that, you'll never be an obedient Christian. Ever. Oh, you might come to church. <laughs> you might do a good, few good things. Anybody can do that. You'll never do the costly things. You'll never do the significant things. But you will not have the guts to do it until you are walking daily in a dynamic, personal relationship with Him. Now, once we've got that down, we can look and see Elijah comes along here next with his prophecy. He's going to say to Ahab, Ahab, The sky is closed. (laughs) That's some pretty powerful stuff. Ahab, the sky is closed. Now, let me ask you a question. How did did Elijah come up with the idea that it wasn't going to rain? I mean, did he just sort of think it up? Did he, did he think it'd be a cool idea to just come into King Ahab and get his attention by saying, guess what? It ain't going to rain no more, no more. It ain't going to rain no more. No. It brings me to the second foundation here. An obedient life is built upon the foundation of a deep and personal knowledge of the Word of God. The key words here, deep and personal Here's where Elijah came up with the idea of shutting down heaven. It wasn't his idea at all. It was God's idea. Deuteronomy 11, 16 and 17. Let me read these verses. Well, actually, I'm going to go back to verse 13. God is speaking to his Old Testament people. And he says, If you will indeed obey my commandments and and do what I command you to do, If you will love the Lord your God and serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul, He will give the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your grain and your wine and your oil. And He will give grass in your fields for your livestock, and you shall eat and be full. But take care lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. For then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you and he will shut up the heavens so that there will be no rain and the land will yield no fruit and you will perish quickly from the good land that the Lord your God is giving you. Now, what does this tell us about Elijah? tells me he was a man of the Word, right? He knew the Word of God. He was having his devotions one day, and he came upon Deuteronomy chapter 11, and he saw what the Word of God said, and he saw what the people were living in and what they were doing. And so he went into the king and he said to the king, Ahab, the heavens are going to be shut down. There will be no more rain. How could he do that? Because he applied the word of God to his own personal situation. He just didn't come up with the idea that the heavens were going to be closed. He had read the word of God. Now my friend... If you're going to be an obedient Christian, you have got to be a Word Christian. You cannot just sit there Sunday morning and receive from me every Sunday morning, and that be the extent of your knowledge of the Word of God. You have got to become a student of the Word. Not because a scripture a day keeps the devil away. but because this Word is God's Word for your life. This Word is God's Word for every situation or circumstance you will ever face. I've got to tell you, if you don't know that Deuteronomy chapter 11 is in the Bible, you're not going to know what to do when Baal's running the show. You understand that? If you don't know that Deuteronomy chapter 11 is in the Bible, you're not going to know what to do when when you look at the wickedness in your own world. If you've never seen that the Word of God has something to say about your situation, it has something to say about your circumstances, it has something to say about that decision you need to make, if you've never seen that this Word is God's Word for your life, You'll never be able to apply the Word of God to your life. And if you cannot do that, you cannot be obedient in your walk with God. I cannot overemphasize the importance of knowing this Word. Cover to cover. Immersing yourself in this book. Because it is God's Word for your life. And you will never be an obedient Christian until you have a deep and a personal knowledge of the Word of God. Finally, third thing. An obedient life is built upon the foundation of the practice of prayer notice, I did not say it's built upon the foundation of a commitment to prayer. It is built upon the foundation of a commitment to the practice of prayer. I would bet almost everybody here this morning would say that you're committed to prayer. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a commitment to the practice of prayer. Elijah was committed to the practice of prayer. Now, we don't see that so much here in 1 Kings chapter 17, but we get some help from the New Testament. James chapter 5 verse 17 tells us this. Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Now you know how Elijah could burst into the king's palace and say, we're shutting down heaven. Number one, he had read the word of God which said God would shut up the heavens. And number two, he got down on his knees and he applied the word of God to his own personal situation. This is not rocket science, church. This is how prayer and the Word work. The Word tells us what God plans to do. Prayer then says, God, make it happen in my life now. Prayer takes the written Word and makes it contemporary reality. Now here's the truth. If I don't know the Word, then I don't know how to pray. You you just need to understand that. If you don't know this word, you do not know how to pray. And if I know this word but I don't pray, then all I have is a bunch of historical information I can't use. Are you with me? But when you know the word of God and you have the power that comes from using this word through prayer, then you can confront your culture with this word. God can begin to use you to make a difference in your home, in your family, in your community, your school, your place of business, in this nation and among the nations. These are the foundations. These are the reasons why Elijah could obey God and Go before Ahab and say, heaven is closed. And that's why, as we're going to see later, this is why he could go up on Mount Carmel and call down fire from heaven. This is how he could confront his culture and impact his world. And this is how God could use him to bring a nation to repentance and revival. Elijah just didn't get up one morning and decide that he was going to start being obedient So that God could start using him. No. He had laid some spiritual foundations so that when God called and said, Elijah, Elijah could say, I'm ready, Lord. I'm ready. Are you tired of the predictable and the routine in your Christian life? you long to see the power of God applied in your circumstances, in your family, in your church, in your community, the nation and the nations? If you want to see God at work in your life like he was at work in Elijah's life, you've got to be just as committed to obedience as Elijah was. And that means laying some spiritual foundations right now means cultivating your own personal relationship with God so there's no question that He's alive and real because you've got a dynamic walk with Him. It means becoming a student of this Word so that you know what, what it has to say about your life and about your circumstances. And it means making a commitment to the practice of biblically based prayer which says God take what your word says and do it make it happen in my life and in my circumstances right now I bet you didn't learn one thing new this morning personal walk with God knowledge of this word commitment to the practice of prayer are those new things for any of you But do you see how they come together and the difference that they make? These are the foundations of obedience. And if you don't have them, you will never, ever be all that God wants you to be or experience all that God has for you to experience, individually or corporately, as His people in this place. I want you to bow your heads with me this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this time. We thank You for Your Word. We need some Elijahs today. And I believe in this room there are people who who want to be used like that, who who really long and desire to be obedient, but simply don't have these foundations in place which allow that to happen. So God, I pray right now that you will speak to hearts, that you will move, that you will begin that process in us which will allow us to be an Elijah kind of people for our generation. We give you this time. Use it for your honor and glory. Is our prayer in Christ's name. Would you join me in standing? We're going to sing, Trust and Obey. Trust is important. Faith is important. But it means nothing without obedience. Will you make that commitment today as we sing?